Good afternoon and welcome to Twilio's Q2 2020 earnings conference call. My name is David and I will be your operator for today's call. At this time, all participants are in the listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. I will now turn the call over to Andrew Zilley, Vice President of Investor Relations. Mr. Zilley, you may begin. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Twilio's second quarter 2020 earnings conference call. We are once again conducting our earnings call from separate locations, so we appreciate your understanding if we run into any technical glitches. Our earnings results press release, SEC filings, and a replay of today's call can be found on our IR website at investors.twilio.com. Joining me virtually today are Jeff Lawson, co-founder and CEO, George Hu, COO, and Kozema Shipchandler, CFO. As a reminder, some of our commentary today will be in non-GAAP terms. Reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results and guidance can be found in our earnings press release. Additionally, some of our discussion and responses may contain forward-looking statements, which are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. In particular, our expectations around the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our business, results of operations, and financial condition and that of our customers and partners is subject to change. Should any of these risks materialize, or should our assumptions prove to be incorrect, actual financial results could differ materially from our projections or those implied by these forward-looking statements. A description of these risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and other factors that could affect our financial results are included in our SEC filings, including our most recent report on Form 10-K and subsequent reports on Form 10-Q, and our remarks during today's discussion should be considered to incorporate this information by reference. Forward-looking statements represent our beliefs and assumptions only as of the date such statements are made. We undertake no obligation to update any forward-looking statements made during this call to reflect events or circumstances after today, or to reflect new information or the occurrence of unanticipated events, except as required by law. With that, I'll hand it over to you, Jeff. Thank you, Zilli, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining. Before we begin, I'd like to take a knee, so to speak. As you all know, the last several months have been very difficult. It started with COVID and the impact that this has had on the world, and then we saw the much-needed broader social movement around Black Lives Matter. This year has shown, more than ever, the important role corporations play in the lives of our employees, our customers, and society at large, and we take that role seriously. Racial justice is an area where companies, Twilio included, can step up and help drive improvements in multiple areas. It starts by introspecting, personally as leaders and people in a position of power and as a company, and how we can use our power to instigate change. It begins inside our walls. One of our core values of the Twilio magic is be inclusive. And we have a body of work to do in order to truly build the company that's representative of the world around us, where every person knows they belong. But we are committed to that work and make small strides of progress each day. But we also know the power of coming together as a company to fight systemic injustice as we commit as a company to the principles of anti-racism. And as I've talked with Toyons around the world in the past couple of months, I found that we have a company full of people who support this cause, both the issue of racial injustice facing black Americans and other groups like Latinx and indigenous Americans, also similar issues that face communities around the world. In EMEA, APJ, LATAM, I found similar desires to engage, to do the work, and to fight in each one of our communities for the issues of diversity, inclusion, and belonging that face every community. I'm humbled and inspired by all of you, especially in a year where people could say, look, we have enough other problems right now. So thank you, Toyons, for engaging and committing to doing this work. We know our work as individuals, as leaders, as a company is just getting started. And we stand in solidarity with the black community and believe unequivocally that black lives matter. Consider this my taking a knee to begin this earnings call. Now, on to Q2 results. We saw continued broad-based strength in our business in the second quarter, 
as our customers leverage Twilio to build the future of customer engagement. Over the last several years, we have built a well-diversified customer base across industries, regions, and company size that has driven our great results. And now we're seeing the strength of that diversification really play out during COVID, as we've seen new industries, new use cases offset some of the more negatively impacted areas. Companies are adapting quickly to this changing environment. Over the last few months, we've seen years-long digital transformation roadmaps compressed into days and weeks in order to adapt to the new normal as a result of COVID-19. Our customers in nearly every industry have had to identify new ways to communicate with their customers and stakeholders, from patients to students to shoppers and even employees, essentially overnight. In fact, in a recent Twilio global survey of more than 2,500 enterprise decision makers, 97% believe COVID-19 has accelerated their company's digital transformation efforts. We also found that companies' digital communication strategies were accelerated by an average of six years. Barriers like lack of clear strategy or getting executive approval or reluctance to replace legacy software and lack of time have broken down and budgets are increasing as companies are seeing new ways of engaging customers. As we remarked on the last call, Twilio was built for this. The things we've always brought to our customers, digital engagement, software agility, and cloud scale, are enabling organizations to innovate now even faster than ever. Messaging, email, voice, and video are allowing companies to engage with their customers safely while reimagining their digital engagement strategies in ways that will be resilient for years to come. This effort is the focus of every executive team at nearly every company. Not only are we helping companies figure this out now, but we are an engagement platform that was built for the future, and we believe the solutions being built today will be the standard for digital engagement going forward. In addition to the traditional use cases we've always powered, we continue to see additional traction in healthcare, education, financial services, retail, contactless delivery, and e-commerce. In fact, I was recently speaking with the CIO of a major retailer who said they saw their e-commerce adoption experience five years of growth in the second quarter alone. The need to scale every part of the business to meet that demand is substantial. And in order to service those customers and meet that surge in demand, they turn to Twilio. We're also seeing companies face the same challenge when it comes to their workforces. How do we adapt to this new dynamic of work where work and homes are blended and we don't go into the office every day? While it would be nice if we could flip a switch and return to normalcy, I think that the coming years will present a more fluid version of work. Companies who adapt now and prepare to serve the needs of a more agile workforce will be the ones who thrive. For example, Companies must prepare for customer service agents to work from home rather than a crowded call center. Retailers who rely on the expertise of their in-store sales associates will need to create workflows where those employees can still advise customers digitally. Banks will need to replace their traditional in-person branch processes to online services. And the tools and services that keep these agile workforces up and running, like Twilio, will continue to see demand increase. We are just scratching the surface of this huge opportunity as companies around the world reimagine their customer engagement for the digital world. This is what Twilio has always been focused on. And now this opportunity has been supercharged as customers continue to use our customer engagement platform for new use cases brought about by the current environment. While there's a lot of uncertainty in the macro environment, we remain cautiously optimistic about our opportunity for the remainder of this year, and we're even more excited about what we can do in the long run. Before I hand it over to George, I want to highlight a couple of other items. I want to welcome Michelle Grover as Twilio's new Chief Information Officer. Michelle joins us from SAP Concur and will be responsible for the technology systems and processes that drive innovation and growth at Twilio, ultimately empowering the company to better serve customers. We're thrilled to welcome her to the team. I also want to remind everyone that Signal, our customer and developer conference, is coming soon. 
From expert speaker sessions, product deep dives, speaker panels, and more, Signal delivers powerful and practical sessions to build legendary customer relationships with Twilio. You'll learn how to unlock the power of a single communications platform to engage with your customers anywhere on any channel. It will be a virtual event held September 30th to October 1st, and you can register today at twilio.com signal. Finally, I want to thank our employees for their dedication to our customers during this unprecedented time and for delivering these great results. I also want to thank all of those who are on the front lines of this pandemic and continue to fight to keep us healthy and safe, our food supplies continuing, and our stores stocked. Thank you for everything you're doing for the rest of us. With that, I'll hand it over to George. George? Thanks, Jeff. Against the backdrop of a very difficult macro environment and the first full quarter of remote work, our team pulled together to deliver great results in the second quarter. Our investments in the enterprise, expanding internationally, and growing our partner ecosystem continue to drive great outcomes as we are helping companies across industries and around the world with their digital acceleration efforts. Our marketing team transitioned several events from in-person to virtual, hosting multiple Engage Everywhere events, including industry-specific events focused on healthcare and retail. Our developer relations team drove great results with more than 1 million unique visitors to our blog during the quarter. And we were able to shift our customer hackathons to virtual experiences for multiple companies. These hackathons help companies reimagine their customer engagement strategy using the Twilio platform. And we continue to see digital transformation projects accelerating at companies and organizations of all sizes and across industries. As Jeff mentioned, COVID is accelerating the digital transformation efforts of companies and organizations everywhere because there is no such thing as routine customer engagement anymore. And our opportunity has been supercharged in light of this driving some great new deals in response to COVID. Few companies have seen as explosive growth as Zoom as a result of COVID. And with that growth, they needed an email platform that would scale to match their needs. Already a Twilio customer, Zoom added email, knowing we offered a platform that would consistently deliver email in a timely fashion at scale with a deliverability and speed to support their customers during this massive growth phase. We expanded our relationship with Peloton, the largest interactive fitness platform in the world with more than 2.6 million members. They needed an email infrastructure that would grow with them. Peloton selected Twilio's email platform for all of their marketing emails to optimize deliverability, allow them to iterate quickly, and provide the scale they need for the future. There's also never been a better time to be in the contact center space, and we are happy with the momentum we've seen for Flex to date. The flexibility of the platform allows for many different use cases outside of traditional customer service. One area we've seen great traction in is contact tracing, where we've worked with several universities and city and state governments to help them prepare to reopen safely and efficiently. In Q2, we signed more than 25 transactions with these organizations, including New York City and New Mexico. Flex also allows companies to cut costs by moving from expensive on-premises implementations to the cloud. Red Ventures, a portfolio of digital companies, is looking for ways to cut costs while continuing to provide great service. Having used a legacy on-premises vendor for more than 10 years, Red Ventures chose Twilio Flex to provide a cloud-based solution to drive cost savings while delivering a highly customized sales experience. We also entered into a new relationship with DGL Group, a leading digital distributor of insurance and household financial services to over 10 million customers. DGL's existing legacy solution did not allow for large-scale remote working, and requiring staff to stay in the contact center was not acceptable. DGL turned to Twilio Flex to deploy a remote contact center, enabling several hundred agents to be up and running in two weeks, and according to the DGL team, drove a straightforward decision to change. Our results also show the power of our diversified go-to-market, supporting companies of all sizes across multiple industries and geographies. In the enterprise, we expanded our relationship with a Fortune 50 company, serving millions of customers a week. They are seeing a spike in usage of their buy online, pick up in-store option, and they needed a solution to verify the customer phone number at checkout or at pickup. This company is shifting from buying 80% of their software to building 80% of their software 
and selected Twilio to build a solution using Twilio Verify, Lookup, SMS, Voice, and Email. We entered into a new relationship with a Fortune 50 multinational company that needed a more efficient and effective way to issue escalation alerts and notifications from their ServiceNow Command Center. They will be implementing ServiceNow Notify, powered by Trulio SMS and Voice, to seamlessly deliver these critical communications to global employees and executives to ensure fast response times for their customers. We entered into a new relationship with CBRE Spain, a division of the world's largest commercial real estate services firm. Like many companies, CBRE Spain was trying to imagine what a return to the office would look like. Their head of digital and technology stepped up and built a solution in less than 24 hours using Twilio Studio. With Twilio Voice, IVR, SMS, and email, employees can now book a desk over the phone, receive an SMS to confirm more information about the reservation, and finally, receive a personalized email with authorization to return to the office. Globally, we've also had tremendous success. We entered a new relationship with Tokopedia, an Indonesian technology company with a mission to democratize commerce through technology. With the exponential increase in traffic due to COVID, Tokopedia needed a secure and reliable solution to support their growth and selected Twilio for SMS notifications. We entered a new relationship with Eon Next, a company that provides electricity and gas to more than 5 million people in the UK. Eon Next is delivering and developing a new customer engagement platform in an effort to become the leading residential energy provider. They are leveraging Twilio voice, messaging, and email to build this new engagement platform, and we are excited to support them in their effort to deliver the best customer experience in the industry. We expanded our relationship with Car Finance 24-7, the UK's number one car finance broker, guiding their customers from initial loan application to car purchase. They have been a great customer of ours for years, and this quarter added Twilio Flex for their customer support and sales contact center based on the flexibility and scalability of the Flex platform. We're excited to continue to build on this great relationship. Overall, I'm very proud of the entire team for their performance through the first half of this year. Our investments in enterprise go-to-market, international expansion, and our partner ecosystem are paying off and are setting us up for long-term success. We remain focused on supporting our customers through the current environment and helping them build customer engagement solutions for the future. And finally, to echo Jeff, I encourage everyone to register for Signal to hear all about how you can leverage Twilio for your own customer engagement needs. And with that, I'll hand it over to Kozema. Thank you, George, and good afternoon, everyone. Total revenue for Q2 grew 46% year over year to 401 million, and dollar-based net expansion was 132%. As a reminder, this was the first quarter we fully lapped the SendGrid acquisition, so our reported numbers do not require an organic adjustment. Recall that Q1 organic revenue growth and dollar-based net expansion were 48% and 135% respectively after adjusting for the one-month stub period. During the second quarter, we continued to see a net positive increase in usage during COVID-19 relative to our expectations. While some of the more negatively impacted verticals showed a slight comeback, they are still below their pre-COVID levels. However, use cases within healthcare, education, e-commerce, and others continue to offset the headwinds. Re-emphasizing Jeff's comments earlier, we have a well-diversified and resilient business model. Julia was built for this, and we remain cautiously optimistic about the remainder of the year and as enthusiastic as ever about the long term. Revenue from our top 10 active customer accounts represented 15% of revenue, which was flat sequentially and up from 13% last year. International revenue was 27% of total revenue in Q2 compared to 28% last quarter and 29% in Q2 2019. WhatsApp contributed approximately 7% of revenue, which was flat sequentially. Verizon's A2P or application to person messaging fee contributed approximately $7 million to revenue. As a reminder, this fee is a direct pass-through to customers and does not impact gross profit dollars. Second quarter non-GAAP gross margin was 56% and was negatively impacted by 100 basis points from A2P fees. Non-GAAP operating profit came in at $10 million, stronger than originally forecasted. There were two primary drivers for this outperformance. One, higher revenue than forecasted, which was the largest contributor, and two, COVID-related items, including 
hiring, travel, and office expenses, among others. Moving to guidance, we continue to watch the same economic indicators as all of you, and it is clear that the macroeconomic environment remains uncertain. In context, we are only providing Q3 guidance, and we expect revenue of $401 to $406 million, including ADP fees, for year-over-year growth of 36 to 38%. We expect a third-quarter operating loss in the range of 10 to $15 million. Our focus for investment remains the same, continuing to build out an R&D center of excellence in India, hiring and go-to-market, and systems infrastructure. Given the inherent difficulties of hiring and infrastructure building while we are all working from home, we do expect some of these investments to continue next year. We are highly confident in the ROI these investments will produce over the long term and are making them with a strong balance sheet. One other important note to mention with regards to operating expenses is Signal, our customer and developer conference. Signal will take place virtually September 30th to October 1st, incurring expenses in both Q3 and Q4. We originally forecasted Signal expenses to be about $10 million before moving to a virtual event, and any cost savings from hosting Signal virtually will be reallocated to other marketing areas. We are still planning to host a virtual investor day on October 1st to coincide with Signal. We are finalizing the logistics and will provide more specifics in the coming weeks. Finally, I wish everyone well, and I hope you are all healthy and safe. Thank you for joining. Operator, please open the line for questions. Certainly. In order to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Meadow Marshall with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Great, thanks. Um, maybe a, a first question just on, you know, how has COVID informed where you or how you continue to evolve the platform? Are there areas where, you know, it's been highlighted by customers that they would like more investment or more capabilities? Um, and then second, just, you know, how has it changed how the ISV or SI community has their interest level in working with you guys and level of engagement with those communities? Thanks. Thank you, Nina. This is Jeff. I'll, I'll take the first part of the question, and then maybe I'll have George answer the second part. Well, with regard to how we're evolving the platform, you know, I, I think there's two parts to that answer. First is one of the neat things about being a platform and being APIs that can be used to build so many different things is that we don't necessarily have to, like, rebuild our product for new scenarios or new use cases that arise because of COVID. In many ways, our platform approach allows us to be adapted very well to changing circumstances. And so that really makes our product very perfectly oriented towards uncertain times like this. You know, I've talked about how the need for software agility is one of the key things that the world has needed during this time to respond to unprecedented events. And so I think our platform is uh, nicely oriented towards helping our customers solve problems that maybe didn't even really exist uh, in the world six months ago. But as far as how we are, you know, adjusting our roadmaps, you know, there are adjustments that have been made. You know, for example, you know, we are investing quite a bit in uh, our video product to respond to new uh, demand and new use cases that are rising or are accelerating in their demand because of COVID. And so that's an area where we're focusing, um, uh, focusing our energy, as well as many of the new use cases that are emerging uh, because of it, uh, because of um, things like contactless delivery or telehealth or distance learning, right? These bring about new uh, use cases or growth of existing use cases that may have existed before but are achieving new levels of interest and scale. Uh, and then those things uh, will then help us to adjust our roadmap. But like I said, as a platform, I think we're really well positioned already to be able to capture new workloads as they emerge. It's not like we have to go reinvent uh, our product or build a brand new product for these emerging use cases, and that's a pretty uh, good attribute of a platform business like ours. With that, let me hand it over to George to talk about the, uh, the, the ecosystem. Thanks, Jeff. I think that what we're seeing in the ecosystem uh, mirrors a lot of what you said. Certainly on the ISV side, you know, we've seen traction with uh, companies that are developing new and disruptive business models to try and uh, address COVID scenarios. Uh, so we've seen growth in ISVs that are focused on, you know, changing education through, you know, a remote proctoring, 
Uh, we've talked about our relationship with Epic, and we're definitely seeing more companies in the telehealth space, ISVs, want to work with uh, Twilio. And then I, on the uh, on the SI side, it's also been a catalyst for us uh, to build relationships with SIs. Uh, and a, good, a good example of that would be what we're seeing on the uh, contact tracing side, that a lot of your contact tracing use cases with um, state and local government, they're bringing in SIs to help them uh, do the work, and these SIs are being introduced to Twilio, and in some cases deepening their relationship with Twilio because of this. And as they learn more about us and see what's going on with our technology, they're uh, more and more excited about it because it's such a great fit for this time and place. So um, overall, I would say we've, we've definitely seen it as a catalyst for uh, improved growth and relationships in um, some of these specific areas. Great. Thanks, and congrats. Your next question comes from the line of Alex Zuckin with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Congrats on a, on a great quarter. Maybe just two for me. The first, maybe just help us understand a little bit around uh, the magnitude of the, the headwinds and how much they've improved and, and whether you're seeing some of these new tailwinds as a structural change uh, to the way that your product is even perceived in the marketplace. And then as a follow-up, just to maybe comment on dollar-based net expansion expectations for, for 3Q and anything we should keep in mind of as we model uh, the, that metric for the rest of the year. Yeah, hey, Alex, this is Kazama. Thanks for the question. Uh, around dollar-based net expansion, I mean, that's not a metric that we guide to. So I would say, you know, we feel good about the broad-based strength of the business generally. We feel great about, you know, the 132 that we put up in the quarter. And, you know, we do, and we've said this for a long time, we anticipate that that metric over some period of time will fade out. I mean, it's just law of large numbers at some point, but we feel great about kind of where we're headed right now and the performance of our customers. In terms of um, some of the impacted industries, I think that was the first part of the question. You know, the impacted industries that we called out, they're, they're still a little bit down. I will say that we are starting to see some green shoots. You know, we particularly called out in the past uh, rideshare, hospitality, travel, and we are starting to see a modest rebound. I wouldn't say that they're anywhere near the levels that they've been at historically, but uh, we are starting to see a little bit there. And then I think on the plus side, you know, some of the other areas that, you know, Jeff had called out previously around education, healthcare, e-commerce, even philanthropy, I think these are now becoming kind of secular tailwinds for us. And so I think we're starting to see structural changes in consumer behavior, which are going to drive some ongoing and long-term strengths in those industries for us. Perfect. Um, and maybe just to, if I could sneak one more in, anything you guys can talk about with respect to uh, election-related spend and, and kind of where you've seen that trend either uh, in the first half and, and what's the right way to think about that in, in the next quarter? Yeah, we're not we're not really breaking it out, Alex, in terms of, you know, the, the revenue impact to that traffic. What I will say is that in Q2, we did see a healthy amount of political use cases in the quarter. And I think, as you can probably imagine, that with a lot of the events and the rallies being canceled, you know, staying in touch with constituents via the products that we offer, email, messaging, voice, becomes really important. Um, but we haven't really changed our assumptions around political traffic for the remainder of the year, but we are starting to see some activity there. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Sure. Your next question comes from the line of Atay Kidron with Oppenheimer & Company. Your line is open. Uh, thanks. Hi, guys. Uh, congrats. Fantastic quarter. Um, I guess I wanted to have a couple of questions. First, for George on the international front, uh, you've highlighted a few activities there, but it seems like the growth over there on a year-to-year basis decelerated quite substantially. So help me understand how much of that was uh, business activity, or is there anything unique to the international markets? Uh, maybe because there, maybe there's even FX impact here. Uh, we'll love to get an insight on that. And then, because, uh, you know, I just want to make sure I understand your comments on the OPEX. I understand, certainly understand the higher revenue as a driver for, for higher operating margins. Uh, but last quarter, you've kind of detailed a plan to aggressively hire this year and pull hires uh, from next year into this year. Are you basically saying you're not able to run at the pace that you were planning to do? Uh, why don't I start and then? Kazama can go into the hiring piece. This is George. So uh, in terms of the international mix, uh, 
certainly it, it's changed marginally as as, you, as Kazina talked about in, in the numbers uh, in terms of our percent of revenue from international. Um, largely, uh, uh, we uh, attribute that to uh, relative COVID impact. Um, honestly, so it's like been a, 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 a slight difference there in terms of what we're seeing in other markets relative to North America. Uh, North America, we've definitely seen. Uh, I would say maybe globally, there's been similar impact in certain industries, um, but we've definitely seen um, some of the counterbalancing forces and in certain industries that picked up to be a little bit more active in in North America. Um, and uh, you know that that's that's uh, it's probably product also a little bit about the, of the fact that our distribution is a little bit more mature in North America. Um, but it, it's nothing like uh, these are small deltas, so you know we're not you know. You know, not not you know concerned about it. Um, it's just something that we think is largely temporal as we all go through this uh, pandemic impact together. Uh, I'll turn it over to them on the hiring front. Great, hey Itai. Um, part of your question to George was also around FX. I wouldn't say that FX was a material impact for us in uh, in Q2. Uh, obviously, rates have moved a little bit around, and and you know we'll watch that for future quarters. In terms of your question around operating expense, um, you know, you're right that. Uh, in part, slower hiring was part of the goodness that we saw in Q2. I would say the preponderance of it, honestly, was driven by our revenue beat. So I just want to kind of put those in proportion to one another. But what we saw in Q2, and, and it was a little bit of a continuation of what we saw in Q1, is, is that we continue hiring, we continue making investments in infrastructure. You know, we called out a few of the specifics around the R&D Center of Excellence, our, our, our investments in go-to-market systems and infrastructure, the reality is it's just harder to uh, to do these things at the rate that we'd anticipated when we started the year. And, you know, we keep updating that as we go through the year. We're hoping to catch up some of that in, in Q3, but I think there's going to be a little bit more spend associated with that as we go. Very good. Good luck, guys. Thanks, Ethan. Next question comes from the line of Nikolay Belyov with Bank of America. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my questions, and, and thank you so much to the team for making it easier for all of us to dial into these calls. And I was just curious, is that the Twilio interface you're using for the first time this quarter? It is not. It is not a Twilio interface for this, this quarter. Okay, look forward to the new interface in, in the future. My question is around the flex. Clearly, uh, great traction, consistent with our fuel checks. And, and one thing that we heard from your flex partners, uh, which tend to, of course, sell the smaller flex deals, is that, well, flex is more of a framework rather than an actual product. It takes, on average, one to three months to install flex. And you guys, in your prepared remarks, you were talking about the two-week like, um, uh, implementation cycle, which is, which is amazing. So this, this still seems to be some lingering perception that Flex is more of a framework rather than an, an actual product. Is that an issue in your sales cycles, and how are you guys uh, addressing that, if, if that's the case? Well, this is George. I mean, certainly, like, the value proposition of Flex is around the word flexibility, right? It, it, the, the product can be uh, highly tailored um, to the needs of the customer, which is one of the great um, selling propositions of the product. Obviously, to to, to to do that tailoring, you know, that customization uh, requires uh, some amount of time, and it really depends on the complexity of the use case. So, uh, you know, we definitely can get customers up and running um, for, you know, for to get started within a couple of weeks and get a lot of value out of it. And then usually those customers over time want to do more and more. So, I really I think depends on um, the nature of the the nature of the use case. You know, just moving agents home or setting up an IVR can be relatively quick. To do a full rip and replace of a complex contact center is, you know, realistically not going to happen in two weeks. I don't care what what product in in, in the world <laughs> you're looking at. Um, but but Flex definitely is a fantastic product. It, you're right; it is getting traction in the marketplace. The value proposition is resonating, and I think those field checks you're you're doing are 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 on in terms of the, the demand. And I think as people get more educated about the platform and the value proposition, I think people are trying to realize that this model is actually the future. Um, so we're excited about it, and we're seeing uh, excitement in our partner community as well. And, and a quick follow-up to Kuzima. Kuzima, what was the linearity in the quarter, uh, April versus May versus June, and, and what trends are you seeing in the month of July? That's it for me. Thank you. 
you know, I'm not going to comment on the, the, the current quarter. I would say, I mean, it's, it's been pretty steady. I mean, we don't typically break out linearity in terms of our performance, but we're seeing, uh, you know, pretty consistent results uh, through the balance of the quarter. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Will Powell from Baird. Your line is open. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, yeah, a, a couple of questions. Um, I guess probably first for Kazam, as, as we think about, you know, Q3, you know, guidance, you know, the revenue's up a bit sequentially, but, you know, but not to the degree that we've seen in, in past years. So I guess I just wonder if you can comment on the broader trends you're seeing in the business. Are you seeing, you know, any kind of meaningful, you know, slowdown uh, in traffic and, and to what degree perhaps is conservatism, you know, part of that, just given some of the ongoing uncertainties? And then I'd, I'd love to come back to, um, you know, Jeff, some of the, the comments on new use cases. I wondered, you know, if you could expand a, a pod, perhaps would you be with some of the more innovative use cases and how you're thinking about the staying power of some of those use cases as we kind of move past this pandemic at some point. Yeah, hey, well, this is Kazama. I'll go first and then I'll turn it over to Jeff. Um, you know, I wouldn't call out anything specific in terms of our Q3 guidance. I mean, we've delivered great results in Q2. And we continue to see broad-based strength across a very diversified business. You know, as I mentioned on the call, we continue to see all the same economic indicators that, that, that you do. And I think there are still some questions around the macro environment. So we're definitely cautious optimist, cautiously optimistic about um, Q3 and, you know, the second half of the year more broadly. We're extremely optimistic about the longer term. Um, but, you know, we're, we're having a, kind of a hard time predicting the future in, in the very near term. And so – I think our Q3 guidance, um, you know, putting aside the sequential, you know, certainly shows continued strong growth on a year-on-year basis, and we're very comfortable with the with the range we provided today. With that, maybe I'll give it over to Jeff. Great, thanks, Will, for the question. Yeah, so I think you know we've seen so much innovation go on in the last say six months in related to COVID, and you know I look at this as an acceleration. I think that's how our customers do too. You know, we mentioned that survey that we did which essentially COVID is accelerating plans. And things they might have dabbled in or maybe taken their time with uh, have been really accelerated because of the necessity of COVID. And so I look at some of these really innovative use cases. You know, like one of them that I love is the um, curbside pickup. And, like, I've been a customer of these curbside pickup uh, workflows at retail businesses where you order online and then basically you drive by and it's a very streamlined uh, workflow where they basically throw your your bag into the backseat of your car and you keep driving. And it's like, you know, if you're going to the to the store to pick up, I don't know, like a bag of marshmallows and like, what, do you want to walk into the store and have to go, you know, find the right aisle or do you want to like use a great convenient interface on your phone and, uh, and then basically drive off text, you know, something like I'm here and have them put it in your car. And I think that even after COVID is over, these workflows are going to be um, really powerful way for bricks and mortar retailers uh, to provide a great customer experience, leveraging their um, online presence as well as their, their offline bricks and mortar presence. You know, what are some of the other use cases that I think are great? You know, I think telemedicine, again, is, is a fantastic set of use cases. I'm very happy that we invested in HIPAA compliance across many of our products uh, early, starting like 18 months ago, uh, so that we could deliver that uh, functionality earlier this year to our customers. Because you think about the convenience of a telemedicine visit. You know, for a lot of visits, I think doctors are finding that the convenience level for a patient to not have to take, you know, half a day off of work and drive, you know, sometimes to a whole other city to get to the, you know, medical center where they've got the specialist with the expertise, uh, but rather just fire up your camera and almost like, you know, just a meeting that you might have on your calendar for half an hour, be able to, to see a doctor and get the same level of care for a substantial number of the medical visits that go on in our country. You know, that is, that's pretty game changing for people's ability to get care. And so I think organizations that do a really good job of delivering video care uh, are going to essentially have an advantage in the market with, with patients. You know, another uh, particularly innovative use case uh, that we've seen, you know, with bank branches, many of them closed, uh, being able to open accounts all done via video, you know, that's an emerging use case to replace that in-person, having to fulfill on, you know, know your customer, be able to have to go into a bank branch, open an account, that can now be done virtually. And then I thought the customer that we talked about on the call, actually, CBRE uh, in Spain, if you think about that solution, like they need people to go back to work, uh, but it, work is going forward is not going to be like work used to be. Like I think a lot of companies are not just going to have like one desk per person 
and, you know, the big conference rooms that everyone used to have, like the nature of what office environments are going to be like is going to change. And CBRE, you know, in the real estate space, is kind of ahead of the game here, if you will, in that they are um, – you know, deploying these workflows for, like, do you want to go in, you know, basically essentially submit your, your desire here. You get notified. If you're allowed to go in, you get assigned a desk. You get everything digitally reassigned to your, your phone for that day. Like, those are the types of new workflows emerging that will enable offices to be open safely, conveniently, and using all this digital technology to manage a workflow that basically didn't exist six months ago, you know, organizations like CBRE are really on the leading edge. And I think that that's the, and again, I think a lot of those office environments are going to be changed permanently, uh, not just temporarily because of uh, hoteling and people working more remotely. Um, that'll probably go on, you know, long into the future. Those are great examples. Thank you. Thank you all. Your next question comes from the line of Michael Turin with Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Hey there. Uh, thanks. Good afternoon, all. Two, two questions for me. I'll ask both up front. Net, net customer ads, the pace there continues to impress. You're now at 200,000 active customers. Is, is there anything happening there more recently with some of the new use cases that is pulling some potential new customers forward, or can that trend persist? Maybe not at the pace uh, we've seen, but given where penetrations are versus the total opportunity. Just would be curious to hear your view there. And then, George, no, it's relatively still early in the go-to-market evolution for Twilio, but is there anything you're seeing that could lead to more verticalization of the sales force and a few focus industries like healthcare, financial services, or education? Thanks. Uh, this is George. Yeah, thanks for the question. I'll take a crack at both of those, and then certainly anyone else can chime in. Uh, in terms of the net, uh, the net customer ads, I mean, definitely what we've seen uh, consistently across our funnel is a lot more experimentation happening um, as people, um, you know, trying to figure out how to adapt to changing circumstances. I think that's all part of this digital acceleration trend that Jeff's talking about. It's not certainly confined to one um, one use case or, or one specific subject matter. And what's interesting is that as we look at our numbers, um, you know, we, we kind of, document or classify all of our, you know, inbounds, uh, you know, by use case as they come in. And it's not like um, they're all focused on one thing or even as certain early COVID use cases have come back a little bit, uh, they've been replaced by other things. So I think it's a very diversified uh, interest in digital acceleration across different industries and geographies. So I think that, that's what's um, that's what's fueling that. Uh, in terms of the verticalization, you know, we, we, I do think there is an opportunity for that, for us to do more of that in the future. Uh, we have um, some great uh, specialist uh, resources right now already um, in areas like healthcare and, uh, and financial services, uh, as well as, uh, you know, in, 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 in the, uh, in, in the, we're seeing opportunities in, you know, local, state and local government, for example, of contact tracing. So, um, you know, we're certainly today still um, mostly a geo and segment-based um, distribution organization, but I do see an opportunity for us, you know, as, as kind of the normal course and speed of things over time to do more vertical things. And, you know, we're really excited about some of we're seeing in healthcare, for example, after our HIPAA uh, capability announcement earlier this year. It's really, I think, opened the door for us to be able to have more and more of those conversations, which is really, really exciting for us. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Derek Wood with Talon. Your line is open. Thanks, and congrats on a great quarter. Uh, Jeff, uh, your survey was pretty astonishing, particularly around, you know, finding that the average enterprise is pulling forward their their communication engagement strategy by six years. And I'm just wondering if you could give us a, a flavor of how the scope of engagements is, is changing for you guys, particularly with with larger enterprises. And I guess I'm looking at – you know, are, 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 are companies looking to do bigger overhaul of their communication technologies at once or, or you know, take on bigger pieces? Or, or, are you seeing kind of an acceleration of replacing legacy or, or you know, seeing more executive-level involvement? Just uh, would be great to hear how you're seeing the engagements evolve. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Derek. So I think what we're seeing is a – like a broad set of use cases and a broad set of companies. And so it's, it's differing a bit by company. Obviously, many companies are focused on the short-term needs first. 
right? When you had to send all of your workforce home and they weren't able to do their jobs anymore, well, that's the, the top priority for a company. And that's kind of what we were looking at early in COVID. And, uh, but as, as like, as I call, you know, COVID response version one, which was like scrambled to get stuff done, you know, basically over the course of like a weekend or a few days, uh, as that stabilized, a lot of organizations, a lot of industries, I think, have started to think about, okay, what is version two of this look like? You know, what do we really want? And I think that's where you're starting to see, like, you know, like our deal with Epic in the healthcare space, which is hospitals wanting to put in a vertically specific solution for healthcare uh, that will serve them long into the future, uh, as opposed to a, a more horizontal solution that was maybe version one of, of that solution. And so I think that's sort of a trend that you're seeing play out, which is like first there's the kind of initial response and then playing out where people are building more integrated, more use case or vertically specific answers to how they are they're building. And I think the other thing is given the urgency of these use cases, the importance of solving these digital transformation problems quickly during COVID, well, that is accelerating many of the um, introductions to new businesses that we're seeing, uh, and I'm sure George has, you know, examples of that, as well as just the um, strategic importance of the work that companies are doing with Twilio. You know, we, our importance as a strategic partner to companies has grown quite a bit this year because in many cases, the use cases and the workloads that we're seeing have direct line of sight to, you know, CEO visibility and, and C-suite importance where maybe before COVID they weren't quite there yet, and now they are definitely in the, in the line of sight for, you know, key decisions and key strategic initiatives that are going on at these companies. I know, George, is there anything you would add? I, I think that's spot on, and I think we've already talked about in our in our kind of core script some of the logos that we've been able to bring in, some new, some existing. Uh, but I think the common thread is that if you look at all of these customers we talked about, um, we're, we're, we're talking to and we're selling to a higher level than before. Um, the, the decision is moving quicker. Uh, and oftentimes what we're seeing is that these projects are um, either a phase one to something bigger, so there's more on the plate, whereas before maybe it was just an isolated transaction, and or these are expansions of existing relationships, which just shows that we're continuing to go, grow in our depth and quality of relationship um, with customers. And I'm very excited about Signal. I think we're going to have um, our, you know, our best showing yet, for example, for our Creator Summit, which is our executive track. Um, I think, you know, we, every year we see the titles get a little bit higher, the conversation is a little bit more strategic, and I certainly anticipate this year at Signal we'll have more of that even as a virtual event. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Alex Kurtz with KeyBank Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thanks. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Yes, we can. Great. Just uh, thanks. Just back to Flex. Now that you have you know more time, you know, looking at deals in the pipeline and seeing how customers are interacting with with the platform, you know, how would you say it's materializing as far as deal size now that you've gotten a couple more quarters in it. Is this thing roughly the same um, kind of landing landing size in the first couple of uh, iterations of how people are using it? And then I guess the sales cycles, uh, you know, it's a little bit different than the core platform and how it's deployed. So I just need a little bit more context as, uh, as you guys have taken a little bit more time to look at the pipeline and how it's progressed so far. Uh, I think it's hard to it's hard to generalize it because if you were just look at like you know the raw average dollar value per per opportunity, I think it'd be misleading uh, in the sense that you know we are seeing yet yeah, some some large transactions in the pipeline that you know that, that we're working on. But you know a lot of these like what COVID has done is it's really triggered a lot of these shorter term um, I shouldn't say shorter term but like initial deployments that people are in a kind of a, as Jeff called, uh, called it you know phase one. COVID, getting people getting something in to get it done. And contact tracing is a great example where, you know, even if eventually they want to get the thousands of contact tracers, the starting point typically is a much smaller number than that. So if you look at the initial deal size, I think it's kind of misleading. Um, what we are seeing is, you know, faster engagement for certain projects that are more time sensitive and also um, the beginning of what we hope to be larger and larger projects, uh, as some of the examples I mentioned, plus BGL is a good example where, you know, we think there's an opportunity to, do even more with them over time. Um, so I, I think some of these initial deal sites are a precursor to bigger opportunities for us down the line, and I think that's what we're excited about is we're planting a lot of seeds 
um, during this period, and we're getting the word out about Flex, and people are, are really liking what they're seeing, which is really great. Your next question comes from the line of Heather Bellini with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Great. Hi. Most of mine have been answered, but I just had two quick ones. Um, Kazima, um, just on the A to P for uh, the third quarter, is it should we be assuming, you know, just as a baseline, roughly uh, the same as the seven million you got in this past quarter? And then I had a question, Jeff. Just if you go back to, you know, January first, pre-COVID being on anyone's mind, can you? you know, kind of think about what your three-year outlook was for flex and adoption, um, and you compare it to how you feel now, how would you characterize the difference in, in how you're feeling about, uh, you know, just kind of the trajectory of that business? Um, and that's it. Thanks. Hey, Heather, this is Kazema. I'll take it first and then turn it over to Jeff. In terms of A to P, I would say roughly order of magnitude the same. It's obviously going to vary a little bit with volume, but you're in the ballpark for sure. Jeff? Thanks. Uh, hey, Heather. Uh, this is Jeff. So, yeah, as far as Flex goes, I mean, I think that the Flex is already off to a fantastic start as a product. I think it's a, a extraordinarily compelling value proposition for customers to be able to finally move these workloads into the cloud, right? And as we've talked about in the past, it's – you talk to analysts, it was something like 85% of contact center was still on-prem, despite the fact that customers wanted to move these workloads into the cloud. And Flex was a product that it was allowing them to do that. And I think COVID has only accelerated the adoption of that idea. You know, we talked to customers. There's a lot of customers who had plans to move their contact centers into the cloud, and these were multi-year roadmaps, and those roadmaps have just been getting compressed. Now, we've talked about some of the more extreme examples of like, oh, you know, they got it done in a weekend, and, you know, those are great examples to talk about. But I think the reality is that, you know, the majority of these ones, they're not going to get done in a weekend, obviously, but those roadmaps have been compressed from years probably down to quarters. And I'm really uh, excited by the conversations that we're having with a wide range of companies uh, about the long-term plans for the contact centers and how COVID in some ways has been an accelerant to make decisions, uh, to invest the resources, uh, and to really modernize how they engage with customers using these digital channels. And part of the driver of that, as we've talked about in the past, is, you know, work-from-home agents, the flexibility that the cloud enables for those employees to work from anywhere, which I think is really important given the agile workforce that everybody is planning for now, not knowing exactly where those uh, employees are going to reside when they do their work, but also because new channels are enabling new ways to flexibly and at scale be able to communicate with customers, things like messaging. And one of the things we hear pretty consistently from customers on Flex is that messaging, so SMS or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, using these messaging channels to be able to engage with customers in many ways is game-changing. And I think Flex is the best messaging-oriented contact center out there. And so I think that's another driver that was existing before COVID and now because scaling up these digital channels is getting even more important. Uh, Flex is an even more valuable uh, value proposition for customers because of it. So I think there's multiple reasons why Flex is a great product for the market uh, before COVID and now because of COVID, that's even accelerated. Thank you so much. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Yes, thank you. I'll add my uh, congrats. Uh, so, Jeff, we've heard some commentary from your peer group that the, the increased usage that was driven by COVID-19 peaked back in April, and then it has uh, dissipated month over month, but it's remained at an elevated level. It, some of that might have related a little more to the uh, video conferencing scenarios. I'm, I'm just curious, did you sense that uh, to, to any extent, or are your use cases broader uh, to such an extent that it, that it doesn't apply or that it's kind of getting uh, counteracted by the other scenarios that are newly emerging? Well, given that we have a almost entirely usage-based revenue model by the magnitude of our, of our performance, our beats this quarter, I, I think you would say that uh, usage continued to grow. Um, and when you look at the factors, as Kozema talked about in um, – uh, in the, in uh, earlier in the competitive marks, you know, there are some headwinds to certain industries, and, uh, you know, we support those customers and helping them to, to build through the crisis, that they have seen decreases in usage for certain of those key, you know, travel, hospitality-type uh, industries. 
but that's been more than offset by uh, increases across the board in a number of other industries as so many different kinds of companies in so many different uh, verticals have had to uh, invest in digital, accelerate those digital plans, and really build great digital customer engagement to be able to serve their customers during this time uh, and long beyond because this is clearly the trend that the world's been on. And so those plans that have been accelerated per our survey, you know, companies took their plans and accelerated them by, you know, on average six years, um, and that's a pretty powerful uh, tailwind for us. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Matt Stotland with William Blair. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, first one, just another um, another question on Flex. Um, you know, there's been some positive headlines around Flex adoption, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, interesting use cases and ways that it's being leveraged in this current environment. We'd love to touch base on where we are in terms of feature functionality. I know this is a year that you guys have positioned as kind of reaching that critical feature functionality for broader adoption. Let's get an update there uh, and any compelling opportunities that you see to add further capabilities from here. Uh, this is George. I'll, I'll comment from a field perspective and then maybe if Jeff wants to comment from a product perspective. Uh, yeah, cer certainly, um, you know, we are, we are executing our plan. So, you know, we're definitely seeing the product um, velocity um, beyond pace. And so we are, we are, you know, delivering more and more capabilities, uh, as you would expect. So, and we're seeing that play out in terms of our success in the field. So, overall, I think we feel good about our product velocity. Uh, always more to do, just the nature of software. Um, and this is a critical year for us. But, uh, but overall, we're, we're, we're happy with the progress. I don't know, Jeff, if you want to add more color. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's always more features of functionality to add uh, based on customer need. Um, you know, I think that the key thing that we uh, have done with Flex is get the, the sort of the bones of the product right, the architecture, the core value proposition, the programmability model that allows customers to go build on top of it. You know, those are things the industry hadn't seen before and to be introduced in a way that enables uh, companies to move really sophisticated workloads to the cloud uh, in a pretty unprecedented way. And so um, when it, while there is the feature roadmap that we're always investing in, I think the hard things to get done, really, that architecture, that, that core uh, foundation to build upon is so good. Um, as it relates to the, you know, the sort of foundational features that we keep building, absolutely, we've been knocking those out. Um, you know, probably the biggest requested one was up on dialing. We, we knocked that one out in uh, Q1. And, uh, you know, we continue going down the list to, to, to you know, uh, finer and finer grained um, uh, kind of foundational features for our customers. You know, we have reprioritized uh, some of those in favor of COVID-related uh, features and functionality that customers have needed to scale those those COVID-related workloads in this year, but we feel great about the uh, the progress we're making uh, around those features and the customer adoption and customer feedback that we're getting as it relates to both the kind of foundational elements, the architecture and the core value proposition, as well as the roadmap for for building out those those features that help customers along. Right, got it. That's super helpful. And then just one quick follow-up, um, you know, uh, as, as someone mentioned before, I mean, the pace of customer adoption has really picked up, you know, through the last four quarters, you know, 10,000 plus net ads. Um, but obviously still, you know, a lot of revenue coming from existing customers and net dollar retention rates very, uh, you know, very positive. So, um, you know, what does the land and expand motion look like? It's, it's been a big part of your business historically, but what does that look like in this COVID environment? Uh, and are you seeing any trends towards, you know, larger initial contracts or uh, initial usage? Thank you. Uh, I would say we haven't seen dramatic trends in that. Uh, I would say, as I said before, that we're seeing a lot of uh, we're seeing a lot of interest in terms of signups, experimentation. Um, so again, I think you know if you just look at raw count dollars per you know new new signup or things like that, I, I don't think that's the that's the story here. Uh, I think the story is we are seeing just more interest top of funnel, and that um, we are seeing some of the use cases drive. Um, you know, significant growth for us, uh, even as other industries are being impacted. So I think that's that's been consistent. Uh, we are doing very well with our, um, you know, our top customers, um, as you alluded to, and you know, definitely what we're seeing in the world in general is that um, you know this pandemic is uh, creating certain companies that are are, are it, it's a it's a headwind for some, it's a tailwind for others. And for the ones who it's a tailwind for, um, you know, we're definitely growing along with them and, and doing doing very well. So um, I think that's kind of behind some of the numbers and trends we're seeing. Got it. Thank you, and congrats again. 
Your final question comes from the line of Rishi Jaluria with B.A. Davidson. Your line is open. Hey guys, thank you so much for, for squeezing me in and, and nice to see continued strong results in this environment. Uh, just, just two questions for me. Uh, first, you know, in the, in the discussion on these new verticals and new use cases, I understand, you know, you're a platform. People are going to always find new ways to, uh, you know, use this for your platform. And, and that's, uh, I think, a really exciting part of the story. Is there potential that, you know, one of these kind of newer verticals or newer use cases uh, can be somewhat productized in the same way that you're doing with Flex in the contact center. Um, and then I wanted to ask Kazim about gross margin. Uh, even if we control for A to, uh, for the A to P, right, it, it looks like gross margin declined about 70 basis points sequentially, at 260 basis points year over year. Just any color you can provide on this, because I know there are, are a ton of moving pieces in, in, in what drives gross margins. Thanks a lot. Yeah, this is uh, Jeff. I'll, I'll answer the first part of the question, then I'll hand it over to Kazema. So as far as the uh, like new use cases that are emerging because of COVID, you know, I think that you know one of the things I've talked about in the past is the, the, the great things about being a platform business is that we deliver these building blocks to the developers of the world and to, to all of our customers, and you know they build solutions to the big problems that they have in their business. And by the very fact that customers are taking our building blocks and are building solutions to big unsolved problems, like the fact that they're taking their time, their precious developer resources to go build uh, on our platform indicates that there is probably an opportunity. And when we see areas where many customers are going and, and essentially inventing the same thing, we see that as an opportunity to go and, and essentially assess whether this is a big, broad uh, need by the market and whether by us building products there, we can accelerate all of our customers' ability to adopt that kind of use case. Um, and, uh, and that's exactly what led us to the opportunity with Flex. And I think we do continue to see uh, opportunities that arise that have been maybe not created because of COVID, but accelerated, like greater macro trends that have been accelerated because of COVID that uh, are opportunities for us to go address with future products. With that, I'll hand it over to Kel. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Rishi, uh, you know, there's nothing really specific that I would call out around gross margins. You know, we pointed to the ADPP impact, and as we've said in the past, gross margins can bounce around a little bit uh, due to a variety of factors. We've in the past talked about customer mix or geographic mix, products, FX, what have you. There's really no change to our, our model. We still see uh, gross margins in the mid to high 50s for the foreseeable future. So no real thing to call out there. Okay. There are no further questions at this time. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.